Welcome to the Venari podcast. My name is Joe Knight. I lead the commercial practice within the life sciences and healthcare team at Venari Partners. Today, I'm joined by Robert Francomano, currently Chief Commercial Officer at Celis Life Sciences Group and previously CTO at Stemline Therapeutics, where he led the Go It Alone launch strategy through to ultimate acquisition by Menorini. Today, we're talking launch preparations, general commercialization strategy, and when to hire top commercial talent. Robert, hi, welcome to the Benari podcast. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Perhaps we could start with your background. Could you tell us about your experience today? Sure, I've been in the industry for more than 25 years where I've been blessed to uh, touch assets and, and, and products that really span the entire life cycle of a product from candidate selection and first time in human trials all the way through to pivotal phase threes, phase fours, and even patent expiry. In that time, I think probably about two-thirds of that time, I've been in the oncology space where I've worked with um, assets and, and disease areas that focus on solid tumors and hematologic malignancies. Uh, I've led full commercial teams and have built out full commercial teams. I have even touched uh, over the years uh, uh, significant investor relations with human resources, medical affairs, where I've built out medical affairs functions uh, fully within the U.S. and the EU, uh, as well as um, a significant amount of time recently uh, trying to help clinical activities and the support of pivotal trials. You've obviously worked on a number of launches throughout your career. Are there any specific lessons that you've taken from those processes along the way? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, to answer the question directly, I think the big lesson I've taken is to be in an operational mind that is really very lean in its execution and its process. But you develop a skill set on really, really collecting a lot of information from the competitive environment, from analytics, from payer data. There's a wealth of information out there. A ton of market research seemed to have always been the, the, the standard in, in big pharma. What I learned is that once you have a good understanding of what you can implement and where to implement it, you find that you can be a little bit more precise in what you do implement uh, depending on the current situations. There's a lot that has to happen and there's a lot that is done. Over the past many years, I've realized that at least in my experience, in my viewpoint of it, there were a lot of things that, that were being done in our industry because they had been done before. And I'm not so sure that is a situation that is called for anymore. What I've learned more appropriately is what not to do, what types of work, what kind of expenditures that we would have typically done in the past that we don't need to do now because they're not gonna give us any further answers. Uh, the reason why I've, I've adopted this lean type of, of approach is because first of all, uh, uh, resources always at a premium, uh, but I found in the past that organizations have so much data, so many books of information that they rely upon that the situation becomes very confusing. And there's a, a paralysis by overanalysis type of output. And essentially, there's so much data and what I'll call it sometimes muddying of, of what's going on in the competitive landscape uh, that organizations freeze and don't know how to effectively move forward. Uh, so what I feel is something that has been benefited me in my career is understanding how to get to the key answers without going overboard on, on collecting the information. Uh, and I think that's the area that has made me more successful in my recent years. Absolutely. And we've talked there kind of generally about lessons you've learned along the way. Um, as we said at the beginning, you know, you were Chief Commercial Officer at Stemline Therapeutics. 
you mentioned you built the commercial team, launched the product, and then eventually led the company through that acquisition by Menorini. Having seen that process end-to-end, were there any takeaways or, or things you'd do differently specifically there? So there are several things that I would do differently. And especially in that situation, we had been dealing with a very, very orphan disease where there was only a couple of hundred patients in the United States. There was no approved product on the market. Treatment guidelines were really not very well established. Many of the treating physicians never saw a patient that had this specific disease. I think what I would have done a little bit differently is enact a diagnostics team a little bit sooner rather than later. There was no launch roadmap for me. There was no product that had gone down the the path of launching into this disease state before me. So there was nothing I could learn from. And since it was ultra-orphan, there was really no data points for me. There was no claims data. uh, There was no syndicated report I could get my hands on. Uh, Even the SEER database didn't really offer much help. And the area that we saw the biggest need was in diagnosis. And so If we couldn't get a patient diagnosed, we certainly were not going to get a patient um, treated with our product. But hindsight being 2020, I probably would have enacted more of a diagnostic and precision medicine approach earlier on, right at the um, right at the launch. You followed this go to loan strategy. Um, It's it's one that we're seeing uh, some companies choosing and and other companies shying away from as we uh, sort of go forward. What what are your predictions for that? Uh, in the in the general market trends going forward, do you think we'll see more companies following a go to loan strategy? I think it'll I think it'll depend. You know, the biotechnology sector has been really hit hard recently over the past year, and so uh, the resources are maybe not there. I firmly believe that if you have the intellect and you have the cash, and it depends on the disease state that you're going towards you can effectively have a go it alone strategy. Thankfully, with my big pharma experience over the years, I was taught how to develop brands, to develop franchises, to develop organizations. So I had the ability to to commercialize effectively, not only in the US, but also ex-US. One of the other key attributes is attracting top talent. And I've had the blessing of working with very, very talented people over the years, a strong network and a value proposition as an employer to attract the talent. So if you have the ability in and of it of yourself to, to lead this and you know where you're going and what has to be done and you can attract the talent and you have the cash to do it and the target customer is focused enough, then it makes sense. Go it alone is scary. It's very scary, but boy, is it exciting. And when you nail it and you do it right, it's even more rewarding. Absolutely. Uh, and it's great that it was a story of success for Stemline, um, but I guess that isn't always going to be the case for anyone who, who tries it, and many will try and, and fail. Um, you talked there about talent and Venari Partners, we're headhunters, so I'd like to pick up on that as the last question. We spend a lot of time in the commercial practice talking to CEOs, boards, founders about when to bring in commercial talent, how quickly to kickstart that process. We're always trying to help companies get the timing exactly right to maximize the value they can draw from key commercial hires. When do you think is the right time to start having that discussion and building out the commercial organizations in early stage, mid-stage biotechs? Well, I may be biased, of course, being a chief commercial officer. So um, let me give you my answer and then, and, and hopefully the strong business rationale as to why I, I have this answer. Uh, I think commercial needs to be involved right at the get-go. It, it really actually always surprises me that this question gets asked 
when it's only pertaining to small biotech. However, big pharma employs commercial staff at the earliest stages. So I always would tell everybody to bring on a commercial entity to help inform that, especially during a pivotal trial. Pivotal trials are the are really going to be the roadmap to your label and to how you execute in the market. Uh, patient reported outcomes, or are they in there? Are they going to help me with um, not only how I launch a product in the U.S., but uh, in the EU5, where these global value dossiers are really, really critical, and they want to see these, these non-clinical data endpoints. They want to see how we've affected patients. So, uh, you know, essentially, I think a, a commercial view should be implemented earlier on as possible. If you're going to hire senior staff, then, uh, then think about the competitive set that you're going against. Are you going against a big pharma organization? where they have likely had commercial people, intelligent, high level commercial people touching and developing these assets from the early stage. So if you go to then compete against them in the market and there's no commercial presence or intellect on your, your biotech brand development, you're already at a, at a disadvantage. How do you compete? Uh, but I would say that for small biotech, especially in the area that I'm in, in, in oncology, it's likely you don't want to bring on anybody after you've started your pivotal trial. Thanks, Robert. Great to have you on the Minari podcast and appreciate all those insights. Great to catch up as always and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Joe, very much.